0: Hello and welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Well, Oz Griebel wants to make New Haven and Connecticut tick, he's running for governor, not as a Democrat, not as a Republican, but as an Independent. And he's here in the WNHH studio to tell us about that along with his running mate, Monty Frank. A special thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for coming down to New Haven.
1: You're welcome. The pleasure to be here.
0: How, how often, and if you want to move the mic this way, Oz, you're welcome to, however you want to look, if you want to go face-to-face. All right. <laughs> but so uh, so how, how often are you guys in New Haven? You've been here uh, time to time? you familiar with the joint? You got any favorite spots? You
2: want to take that one sure. first? Sure, I've been in New Haven for a long time. Because <coughs> uh, you're
0: an attorney, right? So do you go in court here? Or what?
2: I go to court. I went to high school nearby and uh, grew up on Sally's Pizza. So oh, you did? Okay. I, I beat. So
0: you're a Sally's guy? I,
2: I'm a Sally's guy. Okay, Although so I now... kind of, you know, I now hit them all. Um, but
0: uh, so you just solidified a minority of votes in New Haven, but not a plurality.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you got a few enemies now, but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe you'll win them back before the hour's over. Monty, where'd you go to school? You I went here. to Cornell, at Cornell Law School. But I uh, went to high school at Choate. okay. And how about you, Oz? You've been what's New Haven? You were in last week for a hearing, or two weeks ago. Yeah, I
1: came from... down for the uh, commission's uh, hearing. up down here on a fairly regular basis. We interact a lot with when I was at the Metro Hartford Alliance. Act interacted a lot with Tony and everyone down here in New Haven and. Obviously, a great admirer of uh, of what Yale has done here in the city over the last twenty years. I've gotten to know Bruce Alexander well uh, over that period of time. And, what a and 180 how, they did! It's it's extraordinary what what has happened here, both in terms under Rick Levin when he was uh, president, and how that that twenty year time frame. What's, I, I I can't give uh, you know give kudos enough to Yale in terms of the commitment, not only the the uh, university, but Yale New Haven Hospital, the Smilo Cancer Center here, what that's done not just for New Haven, but what it's done for all of Connecticut. I so mean, if you're really governor,
0: a, you're not going to try to tax them.
1: <laughs> I do think there's... A, we could have go down that road in another account, but yes, I, we, I, I'm well aware of their uh, constitutional protection in, in that. Okay. So, Oz, uh, talk about the name Oz. How'd you get the name Oz? I mean, obviously, uh, my, that gets you some attention. <laughs> what is, what my is middle name about? is Nelson. As uh, my given name. That's what my parents call me. And then high school uh, was at the time of the Ozzy and Harriet Nelson television show. So oh. someone suggested that that was a better name for me, and I've just... I've just ridden with it for. Did you legally change it, to Oz? Oh no, no, no! It's a nickname. So Nelson is your first name. Yeah, it's Richard Nelson. Yeah, if you want to get into all of that. But oh, you like Oz? Yeah, it's been. Uh, it's it's a. Uh, it a yes, the, the short answer is yes. And it's an easy have kept name <laughs> to
0: remember. And yes. you are running for governor in a year right. when there's something like thirty people trying to become governor. So you got to find something to come out of the pack besides having a memorable name that fits into every headline. <laughs> what What are you? How are you pitching your candidacy so that you're different from the other thirty people running?
1: I think there are two sort of major reasons. You touched on it in the introduction. Uh, we, the, we, first of all, you know who, who the tick. You know, the tick. Uh, you know not only that I'm running for governor, but that Monty's running for lieutenant governor. You also know that uh, Monty's a lifelong uh, Democrat who's re-registered as an unaffiliated voter. I'm a lifelong Republican who's re-registered as an unaffiliated voter. Our tagline is, no politics, no parties, just solutions. And so the the thrust of this campaign is around uh, retaining jobs, recruiting jobs, and creating jobs that will only be done by creating a big tent where people have an opportunity to talk about the issues. So the Job business. Creation Central, and I'm assuming Correct. you're
0: saying that's the way to deal long-term out of Correct. our financial challenges. Well,
1: and, and as you know, that we haven't had net job. If you go back to the 89 period when we lost 120,000 jobs then, we got them back in about a 12-year period, lost them again in 07, 08, you know, maybe we've gotten them back. I don't think we've gotten them all back. But we're lagging in growth. Compared well, that, to other, yeah, states, there's yeah. no net job growth for 20 years. That's a yeah. big deal.
0: So, no politics, no parties, just solutions. Some people argue that you can't get solutions without parties, without teams, without people who are elected by assembling a group, a majority of people who stand behind a certain set of principles and ideas and then get them passed. Lyndon Johnson, 64, wins in a landslide, had his nine month window where he passed four of the most landmark. Right bills in the history of our country, although we had another legislative process and twists and Republican arms too. Well, how do you answer that? How do you, as a lone wolf,
1: how do you get legislation through without a party? So I'm going to let Monty certainly take a swing at this as well. But you used the word team a minute ago, and that is the key. It's building a team, Um, and I believe that's a team that you put together from both sides of the both sides of the proverbial aisle. And you know the numbers in the state. There's roughly twenty percent of the folks registered as, as there ours. There are over eight
0: hundred thousand unaffiliated, seven hundred thousand Democrats, four hundred thousand and change Republicans. And there's a lot of
1: smart people in all those <coughs> groups. So to to to, to us, what but we're they about, don't, but they don't make the laws. Well, they don't make the laws, but in there that are legis- zero unaffiliated legislature. But there are people on both sides of that aisle, Paul, who see the problem broader than maybe what the dogma of the party is saying. And that's what, that's what our candidacy is about. Our candidacy is appealing not only to the unaffiliated voter, but it's appealing to those members of the legislature. And this is what a governor has to do, uh, and the lieutenant governor, is build the consensus, bringing people to give them a chance to talk through the budget issues, talk through the other policy issues, and build consensus. If, if, if the governor stays in one side of the building and the legislature stays in the other, you're never going to get anywhere. And the, the last thing I just say to be, uh, before you go on to the next question is the governor's got to be out constantly building consensus with the voters, uh, our little phrase is that we're in a campaign right now to win the election on November 6th. The campaign to change Connecticut starts on November 7th. It's a full-time job to get what this, what we were getting done. And obviously
0: the antecedent to your campaign is the Lowell Walker campaign of 1990. When he was elected, he was a former Republican like yourself who said the two parties weren't dealing with the problems in our state, and then he ran as an independent. He got elected. He actually did answer that question about how you govern. He, in fact, got an income tax through. Welfare reform, he was able to negotiate with both parties based on building coalitions around policy proposals. He also was able to get elected. He was a well-known senator in some cases, more popular, I think, with Democrats than Republicans by that point, partly because of his his role in the Watergate hearings. Right? How do you get elected as an independent if you're not a household name? Even though Oz is an easy name to remember, Lowell Weicker had won statewide elections as a senator and as a and he was a, a he was immediately the most well-known person in the race. How do you, one is an independent without that kind of name recognition?
1: So let me, let, let me let Monty take a first swing at that and then I'll come back. Cause we, we talk about this a lot.
2: We're working hard on getting ourselves out there. I mean, Oz and I are fairly well known in certain communities and working hard to build coalitions in other communities. Um, we're going to have a very active social media campaign. Um, we're, you know, one of the advantages of having to petition onto a onto the ballot as opposed to uh, going to town committees and collecting uh, delegates is we're actually out there talking to voters on a daily basis. How many signatures do you need? We need seventy five hundred. That's uh, not, a lot. not although, a lot. Although you
0: really have to get like fifteen thousand, right?
2: Yeah, uh, and and we're working hard like that. at that. We've got volunteers all over the state who have fanned out to collect signatures for us. Um, we're, we're going from community to community talking to voters and, and getting our uh, our name out there.
0: So really the issue we're plumbing with all these questions is what does it mean to be independent slash unaffiliated right now? We've had a trend that Lowell Weicker was the first politician to seize on, which is that the American electorate, especially in Connecticut, is identifying itself more as independent. People are not wed to parties the way they used to be. And it's been a struggle to how do you define independence? So New Haven has a, I mean, Connecticut has a majority, a plurality of registered unaffiliated voters Mm -hmm. but they elect only democrats to the federal offices senate and congress but we have a pretty purplish makeup at the capitol we do elect republican governors what does the independent voter stand for do you think what is the new independent trend all about how do? what does it mean about how to govern the state
2: i think i think what since weicker what we've seen is the legislature embroiled in gridlock and bickering and partisan politics. And as a result, the business of the people is not being done. So you know, we, we look at the opportunity and say, what do the people really want? Do they want to continue along the same path or are they looking for a change? And what Oz and I bring to the table is a, uh, a view of where most people are, which is right in the middle. They, they care about creating jobs um, and maintaining our core values. And they're either sl- slightly left to center or slightly right to center, which is where we are as a lifetime. Dog- you know, that's
0: for our lifetimes. We that's been the general conventional wisdom about politics. Correct. People tend to go in the middle. General elections are won in the middle. I think twenty sixteen challenged some of those assumptions. If you look at people who supported both Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump, even though they were at the extremes of their parties in some right. ways, I think that what people said they were looking for there as People, voters not connected to party was genuinity.
1: Well, and say, that might
0: be superficial, although I don't know if it was the case in Sanders' case. You know, they rejected the people in the middle. They rejected Jeb Bush. They rejected Hillary Clinton.
1: I think there are a couple things that I'd, I'd say, Paul, uh, it, to, to piggyback off of Monty's comments. Uh, one is we're, I, it, we want to emphasize we're running for the office, um, not for the nomination. And I think what that allows us to do and has done is it allows us to speak openly about what we think the issues are, as opposed to having to take the time, which the party process requires, where you've got to make sure you're getting the votes, at the, in the case of Connecticut, the votes at the convention. The ability to talk to people, honestly, you made the comment, I forget what word you just used a second mm-hmm. ago, but the op- that that to me is what people want. People want to know what you think, um, and, and and that you're not necessarily catering to some kind of polling number or catering to that. I do believe, you know, whether what wh- however you feel about uh, about the president, however you feel about Bernie Sanders, you made the point. I think. People believed what they, that what they were saying is what they meant. And I can tell you, I think that's the greatest advantage we have. When we're sitting in small groups of people or large groups of people or having these kind of interviews, the ability to say, we're telling you what we think. We're, not, we're, we're telling you what I, we, we need to do to change the state. We're telling you how we think we have to pay for it. We think we, we, we're telling you how, what kind of policy changes need to be made. And that's, a, I think, a very different approach, and that's where I think the comment I made earlier, that there, people are looking for that kind of, you, I think you used the word authenticity. I think people are looking for, tell us what you think and what you're going to do, not try to find out what some poll number is telling you to, what you should say.
0: And we're fronting it with Oz Griebel and Monty Frank, the independent ticket running for governor in Connecticut, think here on Dateline New Haven and WNHH, your home for community radio, 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. So getting to specific issues and watching how the system may have failed to deal with in the past and how an independent can deal with it. Monty Frank, you have lived personally one of the biggest issues in our state, you had a personal connection to the Newtown School Massacre. You had two children who went to school there. Was one of them in school at the time of the massacre?
2: Not not at Sandy Hook. She uh, was about a year and a half out of Sandy Hook. She was in the 5-6 school. And I
0: believe, if I'm not mistaken, you had been an attorney for the Board of Ed there. You are now very active in a Newtown group. Newtown Alliance, is it called? For so I, gun control. I, represent
2: the, uh, I represent the town of Newtown. Um, I was on the board of the Newtown Action Alliance. I'm no longer... Um, and I founded Team 26, which does the annual uh, ride from Sandy Hook to Washington. To right, race you're an awareness. avid bicyclist. I, am. Yes. I, I raced uh, on the U.S. team over in oh. Israel this past summer in the wow. uh, World Maccabia Games, came back with uh, some hardware, which I'm, which I'm proud about. And uh, uh, But gun, gun violence is an issue that uh, you know, we need to continue to, to fight. Um, and here you have Oz
0: Griebel who historically was a Republican, running with a running mate who was a Democrat who was for gun control. Which is a third rail for Republican candidates.
2: I'm for gun violence prevention. So that doesn't mean you're not for gun control? Well, I, I, I don't particularly like the term gun control because I think it has a connotation to it that uh, I don't agree with. It, it's, it's, it's developing broad strategies what to don't reduce you gun agree violence. With phrase, well, I'm not looking control. to control guns. I'm not looking to take away guns. I'm not a gun grabber. Um, I believe in the Wait, second... Wait, isn't that, isn't that a cheap
0: comment, gun grabber? Isn't that just used by people... On the NRA for anyone who wants to have any restrictions about who can get a gun. Well,
2: that's what, that's what they say, but that's not who I am. It, it's about reasonable restrictions in order to reduce, um, gun violence in, in, in our country. New Haven, I, I might add has done an excellent job, um, in order to reduce gun, gun violence, uh, here. Um, your project longevity, which, mm-hmm. uh, has really taken hold in in the city of New Haven is is a model for, I think for other uh, cities. So what kind of gun,
0: what did you want the state to do in the face of the Sandy Hook massacre? What did it do
2: and what should it have done? I, I think the state of Connecticut, uh, in a rare showing of bipartisanship, uh, came to terms on a set of gun laws that have proven to reduce gun violence in this state. Um, I I wish that other states um, across the country have and the federal government acted similarly. Some states have, but not all. And, and I I think it's the role of the governor and the lieutenant governor to go to the other states and the other federal and the federal mm. government and say, this is what we did in Connecticut. It didn't restrict anyone's Second Amendment rights, and we were able to reduce gun violence homicides in our state.
0: And what about the new uh, proposal to ban bump stocks? I agree with that. And ghost guns? I agree with that. And Osgrey, but what was going through your mind, Oz, as a former Republican, wanting to present this message of bipartisanship and picking someone like Monty for your ticket?
1: Well, I I think Monty's really kind of answered that question, but I'll I'll embellish on it in this sense, Paul. That um, I decided to run as an independent back in July. I had gone through this in 2010 as a as a candidate for as a Republican for then for the nomination. I respect the process. But the point that I wanted to ensure is if I was going to put the time and energy in to run, that I was going to give, my, give myself the highest chance possible to be on the ballot. And to be honest with you, as, hard, as challenging it is to get 7,500 signatures, that's something I can, we can control by going out and soliciting the signatures and making our picks. And
0: Are you going to run public financing? You're looking for matching. Technology? No, we're not. Let
1: me come back. But I want to you answer your, for that question you just left. Okay. The reason that, Monty, uh, to me, so the first question is I'm going to run as an independent. And then when you looked at all right, what's the best way to run as an independent, you really do have to present a cohesive, comprehensive approach to things. And so, yes, somebody going to remember you've been a registered Republican all your life? Sure. To some degree, that party gets balanced off. But more importantly, I'm bringing someone in whose network is, expands. We, we have complementary networks. We have complementary uh, 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 experiences that I think are there. So that's why the, par- the ticket works for me. That on the public financing side, no, we're not taking it, um, and there are a number of reasons. I think they well, I'm, I'm, we're certainly supportive of the effort to have clean elections and making sure you don't cut SEC budget so enforcement can go forward. That's the election enforcement. I'm Commission. sorry, yes. Yeah. The, thank you for that clarification. And but the idea of taking roughly thirty some odd million dollars of taxpayer taxpayer money to put it in, in campaigns is antithetical to what I think taxpayer money should be used at a time when we're looking at a 300 plus million dollar deficit in this budget we're looking at 2 plus billion dollars so the devil's in the advocate
0: response to that from advocates sure. is that you save more than that 30 million by taking the corruption out and then the answer back to that is often well intentioned liberal view uh laws like no, that I, don't I, end up I working the way you the think point, they but
1: you would. Not, look money is the mother is the mother uh, is the milk of, of politics always has been i mean we went through a number of, of issues even with the malloy campaign on the on the on the on the uh penalty State that they had to pay plainly, yeah. kind of, so to me it's just it's an inappropriate use of taxpayer money as opposed to uh, on the corruption side we, um, we're all for clean elections don't misunderstand me well i and, and the
2: program yeah. by the way doesn't Uh, do anything to restrict the uh, independent expenditures flooding into the candidates.
0: So as you spent 16 years as head of the Metro Hartford Alliance, correct? Which represents more than 1000 businesses, municipalities and organizations. How's that different from a chamber of commerce? What exactly did Metro It's Alliance? a
1: little bit it's it, there's certainly a lot of similarities but if you in, if you're in this in that world there's a sort of a, there's a, a a little bit of a distinction between an economic development organization and a chamber of commerce. So cham- we did a lot of things for the city of Hartford that you would find here in New Haven and other sing- in terms of chambers and supporting small business. But we were much more involved in public policy issues as it related to uh, private sector job growth. Uh, a lot of uh, discussions with employers here about what they needed to stay here uh, it helped. on and DECD and others about recruitment, Department of companies. Economic Development, yeah, right. the mm-hmm. Department mm-hmm. of Economic mm-hmm. community, community Development. Yeah. We've made the trips to Israel. We've done. We've been in front of companies that have come into the area looking what they need. So it's it's. There's a lot of things that you could say. So, what did you left. what did
0: you include to conclude from that role that businesses need now? If you you're running for governor now, saying that sure. you want to create jobs, yep. that's at the center of your platform. Right? What have you learned from your advocacy at Metro Hartford and dealing with the legislature and with business sector? What is it going to take to create jobs? I, I think do?
1: there are a couple things here, Paul. That and I'll stay at a at a, a little bit of a treetop level and go to as deep as you want on any of these. Uh, but I think to put to put this in most simplistic terms, the governor has to be the chief marketing officer for the state of Connecticut. And if you believe that your next best customer is your current customer, you have to spend time with the the employers who are here, whether they're publicly traded entities, whether they're privately held entities, whether they're the hospitals and the (coughs) not-for-profits. These are the people who are making decisions about employment, keeping the employment that's here, bringing the next job in, etc. If you're not in regular engagement and discussion with those folks, you're not going to know, in a specific case, what XYZ company wants, uh, and you're not going to know what the general direction is. The second point I would just make, again, staying at the treetop level, is that the biggest concerns that private sector folks have today is the lack of predictability. That, that what every time we have a shortfall in the budget, which we've now had for four or five budget every cycles, right, every quarter we keep looking at, okay, we're not having any job growth. Ergo, the only way you can raise revenue is raise rates. Uh, and, oh, by the way, we've got this unfunded liability problem that's not going away on the state retiree uh, the, reti- the state retiree pension and health care benefits. Those are the big concerns that you hear. You get into tax policy, you certainly get into workforce development, lack of adequate pipeline, um, but the most important point I can make to you and your listeners is, and this is what this campaign is, predictability and listening, really being in front of people on a regular basis. And we're
0: listening right in front with Oz Griebel, who's running for governor with his running mate, Monty Frank, here on Dateline New Haven at WNHH, one hundred three point five FM live streamed. At New Haven of Mandora, we've got a question on Facebook Live from Aaron Good. Does Mr. Griebel think that the state should bail out the city of Hartford to the tune of $40 million or let it go bankrupt?
1: I've been very clear on this. In uh, in In the. In fact, we've got an update coming out, uh, I think it's next week, on uh, that you've got to look at what Detroit did on the grand plan. Um, The bankruptcy has got everybody kind of upset about, if you file it, what the long-term implications are. We've put a series of ideas out, Paul, uh, with respect to what Hartford ought to do that I think could be mimicked in other urban areas. And that's bringing all the relevant parties together to say, what are the things that we can do to work? So does the state have to own any, I'll rattle off a couple of examples, does the state have to own any property? in the city of Hartford. The, during the, uh, this administration, two major parcels were taken off the commercial rolls that obviously had a negative impact on the city's uh, revenue stream because they were no longer commercial Are so they saying
0: sell state assets in Hartford?
1: I think you have to, on a sale leaseback. Um, you're in an office building. Do you have? Does the state have to own the office building? I would say no. They don't have to own the office building if that's owned by a developer and a developer has a 30-year lease from the state of Connecticut. I think there are a lot of people would take that.
0: And, and we did that, that with the FBI building here with the Fusco Corporation. So how does that work for the state taxpayer? Will that will those taxes that now have to be paid on that building get factored into the rent? So that the sure you have to, sure
1: you'd have to factor. So you're so
0: you're willing to pay higher rents. For well, pay more uh, for state. Offices I don't necessarily that,
1: think you're paying higher rent.
0: Um, well, someone it has to come from somewhere sure, to pay for the new tax revenue that's going to be charged
1: because it's going to be commercially zoned yeah. property. But I mean that the state does have some flexibility to negotiate. They don't have to accept whatever. That is in I, my my point. So is maybe the profit margin will be you, lower than it went on. Another if you building. don't have the my point, Paul is if you don't have the discussion, you're not changing. That was anything. an interesting idea. So uh, Sales has, 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 has to be looked at.
0: That's a very interesting idea. In the
1: city of Hartford, you probably don't know. And people in New Haven wouldn't know this. It's the only city that doesn't assess residential property at seventy percent. Properties assessed at currently 30, 35 or thirty six percent. That's got to be moved up over a five-year period. The goal in Hartford's is to drive the mill rate down. So the question that your your listener is asking is: even if this plan goes forward that has been proposed in terms of providing some additional cash $20 dollars million, million that would come in plus
0: another long plus the bond
1: plus mm-hmm. the bond guarantees, you're not going to have any impact on the mill rate. The mill rate's at seventy-five,
0: and that's the structural situation.
1: Correct, that, and that's and why that is with these,
0: the percentage in the cities of of taxes and property. In New Haven is fifty-four percent. The state says you can't tax it, and we had promised to give you seventy percent of the money back and payments Miss with taxes. Correct. We would really give which, you thirty or forty. percent Yeah, it's
1: going to continue. It's going to continue to go down based on what we're seeing in the in the in the in the projections. So you idea have a name.
0: sale lease back where you'd have private ownership. This is really interesting. I never heard this before. Um, is that sort of a backdoor way of fully funding pilots? Since we're not fully funding pilots, I, I, I think you know. The, 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 so why not just fully fund pilot? I, I, I,
1: well. To me, the 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 idea is you're then having you're having the leaders in the city take the lead as opposed to somebody at the state level doing. And and I will just say that you know the old prediction about you the, you predict the weather tomorrow just predict whatever the weather is today. I I happen to believe that with respect to pilot, I don't see how you're ever going to change pilot uh, in that sense. So to me, making stru- true structural change so that a lawmaker when, one year the lawmakers
0: if they're facing a deficit can't correct. just rate it correct build it in. Correct. That's a really interesting idea. And, did and, you come and, and, up with what, that, or have you seen that other places? Well, it's
1: a set, we took that from Detroit. What Detroit did when they filed for bankruptcy, is they put together a grand plan. Mm-hmm. Private sector investors were there. Private uh, private payers were there. The residents were there. Uh, the uh, the the state was there. That that's the that's the same so thing. So what's for and the private talking.
0: company that wants to be? Since they're going to have to negotiate a cheap, somewhat cheaper lease, so the taxpayers aren't fleeced. Is what's in it for the developer of the private building? To make money on being the landlord, but not as much money as they might make on another building?
1: I, that- I'd say, let me put it this way. If you, can get the mil, uh, if you can get the mill rate from 75 down to 50, everybody's going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more private sector investment to come in. The goal for Hartford and for all these cities is to get more private sector unsubsidized private sector investment in. And in Hartford, if that mill rate doesn't come down, and the kinds of ideas I'm talking about, we believe would drive the mill rate down over a relatively short period of time where everybody benefits. Aaron, ideas. good.
0: Thank you for that question. That's really interesting. Uh, the, um, let me ask in general about the state financial situation, because that's obviously the big them right. right now. What uh, what would you do long term to deal with our pension liability and in terms of these and uh, the unpredictability of our revenue stream with the high um, reliance on the income tax and on Fairfield County High Earners.
1: Well, I, I think a couple things that Monty and I have talked about. One is I'll repeat what I said earlier about the governor being the chief marketing officer of the state. You have to be in the room with the private sector. If the private sector doesn't feel they're being listened to and that their issues aren't being addressed, you're not going to get Well, you've anywhere. been in that room for 16 years, so what have you heard? What I said to you earlier about okay. the predictability and what. So I just, I just try to give you a contextual. So how do we get the predictability? So so one of the things that, that the uh, F- the Commission on Fiscal Sustainability and Economic Growth that's being led by Bob Petroselli and, and Jim Smith and that Bruce Alexander is on They've had a series of hearings, and one of the, the hearings, no, it wasn't the one here, I think it was one up, at the, up, at, up in Hartford. They brought in a number of folks who do consulting to, to, uh, to state governments and into, to municipalities. And one of the ideas, taking, talking about my sale leaseback concept um, that, that, was, that was discussed, I don't know whether this will be one of their recommendations, is taking about looking at securitizing all the state-owned property. Excluding the state parks, excluding the state capitol building and others, so all the building, office buildings, uh, buildings that are be used for for storage purposes, could you take those and securitize that and and sell those to an investor? Um, the idea would be, is assuming that generated a meaningful amount of money that was been sort of kicked around, that money potentially could go into the pension. The unfunded pension liability. So get some cash up front, but what do we pay for ten years down the line? No, you've t- you're selling. You're, sell- you're in effect, you're selling the property. So you'd have to go back and figure out what you'd have to rent. You'd have to go through all that analysis. But in exchange for that, you would want to have some significant change in the work rules associated with the union. So there was more opportunity to privatize uh, some of our agencies. Uh, there's different calculations on those who have pensions uh, in terms of the, the uh, overtime not being calculated. I think there's got to be a quid pro quo here where you're demonstrating to the pensioners that they're unfunded liability. I've said to a number of people, if you're getting your pension today at 65, how comfortable are you that you're going to get it when you're 85? You you can't ignore Puerto Rico. You can't ignore Detroit. You can't ignore Central Falls and Rhode Island. There is no matter what the legal obligation is. If we have a shrinking workforce, a shrinking uh, 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 number of jobs in the state, there, there's gonna it's not going to support those pensions long term. It's going to be so. You, I think you have to look at this in a very structural and a very different way.
0: But in fact, isn't the biggest debt from the long term? Retirees, not the more recent retirees, right? So that's
1: my point about that. That's why I went through that securitization right, to pay it So you'd have, the, you'd have the liability locked in in exchange for some other fundamental changes. Now, how changes. do
0: you get those changes in work rules with the unions? You get a lot of talk. It's going to have
1: to be a lot but, you know, of discussion. You you're
0: the 11th, Governor Kennedy come coming here, and every single one talks about this mythical table. I'm the one who'll get them around the table. I mean, Dermoloy 's done that for eight years. He got uh, some concessions. What are you going to do different?
1: I think that you have to, you have to leverage a couple of couple things, uh, Paul. I think I said this a minute ago, I know I said it in the other interview, that we're campaigning now to win on November 6th. The campaign to change Connecticut along the lines of this conversation that Monty and I are having uh, starts on November 7th. So you've got to spend a lot of time with legislators. You've got to spend a lot of time with voters. I've said this, in a, we've said this in a number of forums. You, this is, when we come out and talk to you about the signatures, when we come out and talk to you about getting your vote in November, we're coming back to you because we're going to need your support to provide the kind of political uh, uh, cover for legislators to to take on some of the actions that are going to be very difficult to implement. I don't want to suggest that we that just because we're going to get elected, that's all this stuff's going to fall into place. The work really does begin on November 7th through the inauguration and through that submission of that first budget and beyond to get the support that we'll need.
0: One of the big debates, gentlemen, coming on at the legislature, as you know, this year, is whether there'll be some combination of new revenues and cuts or just budget cuts to get through even the latest deficit we have as you say every quarter the revenue um, projections end up being false we have a lot less money than we thought we where do you stand on that so a lot of democrats say we need highway tolls legalized marijuana that there are revenues we should be getting that we shouldn't just cut 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 because in the end it'll be hard to keep businesses here anyway at the left because they didn't the ceo didn't think it was fun here like new york and uh ge left because there was a much better tech infrastructure in and, and higher ed infrastructure in Massachusetts you can't do that without spending some money where do you stand on that about revenues do you think part of our solution here is new revenues or is it all just cutting
2: you want to take a first shot and then sure I'll pass off. I mean it 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 can't be just cutting uh it's got to be developing new revenue sources and the problem with what the legislature has done over the last five years or so in cutting is that it's essentially rated um uh the green bank it's it's rated the transportation. Uh, fund so that you know the, the investments that we need to make in order to grow jobs and, and develop new revenue sources is being being undermined um, at an exponential rate. So you know th- that needs to be restored. The transportation before you can really even talk about solutions to funding transportation, you gotta talk about ways to secure the, the funding. Um, whether it's a, a lockbox or creating some sort of transportation authority, that's the first step. The second step is at least on transportation, is go back to um, the days um, like when Oz was chair of a something called the Transportation Strategy Board, which was a, where you brought all the stakeholders, the private sector, public sector, uh, transportation officials, and municipalities together and came up with solutions, not only what needs to be done, but how are you going to fund it. And and it, it, it's going to have to be uh, not just tolls, but a, a, a spectrum of... Uh, of items in order to, to, to fund it. And I, I think the legislature has to answer about um, what they did with the transportation fund. You know, was- I've always,
0: there's always interested in these dedicated revenue stream arguments. They say, well, people will be okay with paying tolls if it's definitely going to go to roads. And if the cigarette tax definitely goes to smoking succession, how do you run a government that way? If some of the stuff, I mean, don't you have to trust our legislators to take a picture, a look at the whole budget and decide how all the money gets spent I mean, doesn't that tie their hands from responsible governing if you put too much for political purposes to pass a certain
2: tax? Well, what we've seen to the contrary is people want transportation solutions. They want infrastructure. There was there was funds that was dedicated right. for that, and the, the funds were rated to... No, no, I know that argument. But, 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 there's the certain, green
0: but there's certain needs that people want met by government that don't have revenue streams.
1: But the legislature—I mean, people get aids, the no leg- aids revenue stream. But the legislature created both those funds, right? So no, I mean, there's, there's a little the bit bait and of a yeah. yeah. And I understand the comment, but it isn't as if that was imposed on the legislature. The legislature, in right? Order I'm to not defending it, the legislature.
0: I'm saying moving forward, do you want to look at dedicated sh- revenue? streams? I think you have
1: to look at a couple. Yeah, I do. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with a revenue so as long as everybody goes into it with their eyes wide but open. Why
0: not dedicate revenue for fixing bridges or for head
1: start? Well, I think bridges are it bridges are part of the transportation okay. fund. The education one, I, I, I understand the point you're making. I'm not looking for a special fund for everything, but I think there are certain things that where you're trying to ensure and particularly in the job retention, job growth area, where transportation is so key Making sure that we have our links to New York and Boston, that we can move around the state easily. We can move both goods and people uh, and, uh, around smoothly. That's a big deal to everybody. To me, that's not, it's, it's not so much that you're s- selecting uh, a bridge to be fine. You're yeah. doing something for the people of Connecticut. And on the Green Bank uh, idea, you're trying to create a new industry. You're trying to support something that's out there. I think, though, do they have to stay in perpetuity? Let's have that discussion. But I don't think it's anything inherently. And there right are
0: sometimes good arguments if For instance, if utilities have to contribute, Correct. To solar energy or emergency heating, they're, they're putting part of the money up. Right. So there's are. a match there.
2: I, I want to go back to the and question. That, and that creates jobs. The, yeah.
1: And, and that, to, just to follow off that, Paul, when you asked, you know, where do we stand on cutting and whatnot, I, I just want to keep emphasizing that um, the way you're, we're going to attack this issue has to be based on job growth. Because otherwise, all we're going to do... Is in order to keep people, is raise rates. And we know what happens when you raise rates. Jobs go, people leave, we've got a 30,000 out-migration, 30-plus-thousand 30 people out-migration issue, many of them being people who are paying big chunks of the uh, personal income tax. So getting so the issues of how do we ensure that we have a tax policy and a fiscal policy that's going to keep people here. Uh, we've said this, if you had a, we had 100,000 more jobs in this state today than we do now. Some of this com- some of this conversation would be very different. We still have to deal with the unfunded That's liability yeah. problem, and, and if you want to go back to this, you, you mentioned made the comment about you know why should uh, on the special fund. I'll go back to the personal income tax that was passed in ninety three with Weicker. and there was a constitutional amendment in there that said that these funds that had to be definitions adapted so that the funds any any surplus in any given year would be used for uh, uh, for uh, debt repayment, uh, rainy day fund, or funding the pensions. And when we had a, a series for about three years of about five and a half billion dollars in surplus, only about four billion of that went into those three categories because the governor and the, Governor Roland and the legislature passed the quote emergency bills that allowed them to use the uh, that. You, you may recall that the governor sent uh, two times sent fifty dollar rebate checks back to taxpayers. I was one of the folks who sent my checks back to him, saying that's not what the surplus should be used for. I got you know a lot of back and forth with him about. Uh, whether the fact that I, didn't, I was Osgrable did to need 50 bucks, but the idea is when we do these kind of actions, the governor's responsible for for delivering on the fiduciary uh, promise that has been made to the voters, whether it's the special transportation fund or the personal income tax.
0: And we're talking about that on Dateline New Haven, your home for community radio, 103.5 FM, live at org We're talking to Osgrable Monty Frank, the independent ticket for governor in twenty. 20- Eighteen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> November 6th <laughs> to be exact, Paul.
0: <laughs> so, Oz, uh, we talked about transportation. Would, is it fair to say, and this has been an argument from the business community that you've been part of for decades, that fixing our transportation system is a key to job growth? I, I think it's absolutely. Now, yeah. Governor Malloy agrees with you. He tried to get a billion dollars uh, for the shore up that transportation fund. He didn't succeed. Now he's proposing to raise the uh I think it's $0.07 on the gas tax he's proposing, uh, electronic highway tolls, a tire tax of $3 a tire. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, Or do you have other ideas about how to shore up transportation and make the fixes?
1: Well, I'm going to repeat what Monty said earlier and then let him jump in. But I I do think there needs to be, uh, the private sector needs to be part of this discussion on first about the priorities, about the plan. Now, what are the priorities? We've we've talked a lot, particularly uh, down here in New Haven, how important Metro North is. To this, to this, to the state overall, that the connectivity from New Haven all the way down. And we're cutting. To sh- we're cutting the shoreline, and East. that's a and that's a that's something that I feel. I think you've got to look really, really hard at. Um, uh, Governor Rowland threatened to shut down <clears throat> Shoreline East in t- in two thousand one or two, and there was a strong pushback by a lot of private sector folks that said, if you do that, at the same time you're repairing the uh, the Q Bridge, we're going to have even more gridlock down here. So the beauty of the Transportation Strategy Board, to me, uh, as Monty alluded to a minute ago, was you had not only the executive branch people, DOT commissioner, DECD commissioner et al., but we had 10 or 12 people from the private sector that were helping to come up with both the strategies and the priorities with DOT and getting consensus on what the funding sources ought to be. We proposed the, uh, the, ins- the reinstitution of the fifteen cents. That uh, was cut out of the gasoline tax in 1999. We proposed that that be phased back in over a five-year period. We proposed a half-cent uh, surcharge on the gas on the sales tax for 10 years. We proposed elect the beginning of the installation of electronic tolls. What what the private sector wants, what we as taxpayers want, we want a predictable secure source of and you remember in 91
0: when we argued about the income tax we believed that would be the more predictable income Correct. stream the sale we tax did. and it was for a long time but until well, it it got more pro- it got more progressive and the but, yeah. incomes yeah it comes very so highly of the of the hedge fund people
1: in fair i do country. think you have to step back we've talked about this you know we have to step back and look at tax policy overall for for example you know people some people are leaving they say they're leaving because we still have the estate tax well do you buy that I don't know what I buy. I know that that's the kind of thing you say. Look, if we could come up with a reasonable assurance that that would keep people here if we got rid of it, I'd look at that. You have to look at it. Same thing on the corporate income tax. Are we competitive? How important is that to the, to the, to the long-term? Those, those things have to be looked at through the prism of what's going to retain and recruit and expand jobs here in the state. So, Oscar,
0: are you still in favor of the electronic tolls oh, sure. and the grazing the gas tax? What about the tire tax? That was a new one.
1: That's someone I hadn't heard. I haven't even thought about it. Probably, <laughs> either, honestly. actually. Yeah. How about you? I, 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 <laughs> I, just, just, uh, before I turn this over, I just want to be clear that it's not so that I'm in front of, in favor of tolls or in favor of increasing the gasoline tax. It's saying we have to invest in transportation. We've got to look at all the sources that are out there. Tolls would take five years to implement, Paul. If everybody said go today, yeah. you know, it would take five years to implement. So let's not get sucked into the, kind of, this kind of theological argument about tolls. We've got to look at funding for transportation. And how would you
2: spend it? What about mass transit versus highways? Go ahead, Bonnie. I, I, I think you got to look at all of it. Um, you know, we're, we've looked carefully at this concept of 30-30-30-30 where you need to be able to That's get 120. from— What's that? That's adds up to 120. Well, you need to get from Hartford to New Haven, oh, New Haven to Bridgeport, okay. Bridgeport to Stanford in 30 minutes, whether that's oh, a combination okay. of rail, highways, or, or ferry service. Um, both mass transit and our highways need to be I'm sorry, improved. Hartford,
0: New Haven, Stanford, and what was the other one?
2: Not a- Har- Hartford to New Haven, New Haven to Bridgeport, Bridgeport to Stanford, all in 30-minute increments. If we can use that as a goal. But you got a
0: speed to get from
2: Hartford, New Haven in 30 not if you're using, uh, if there's effective rail service. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's very doable. Um, you know, we we think the New Haven to Hartford line uh, going up to... And
0: they did expand that in your favor of that. They right. they, they greatly expand that
2: as of March and April. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and, and part of the problem that we have with the lack of predictability in our budget, and particularly in transportation, it makes it very difficult for municipalities to plan and for businesses to plan. Monty Frank,
0: you saw that because you're also a town attorney, weren't you? Assistant town attorney in Newtown.
2: I've represented a number of towns, including Newtown, for a lot of years. So I, I understand how small businesses, medium sized businesses, large businesses, and municipalities are able to and how did the their unpredictability
0: budget? of state finances affect those towns you were advising.
2: Well, some some towns uh, took different approaches. The the towns that took uh, very conservative approaches and assumed in their budget process that there would be cuts. Um, they're a lot better. The The ones who were looking at... Did that at,
0: reduce their leverage when their legislators were up there fighting? Uh, it may that have. That was the, the trick in New Haven. Because, you part know, one crazy trade-off. thing
2: is the deadline. We
0: have our budgets done by, right. by was it July 1st right. in New Haven, right. but it, they're not done at that
2: time at the state. You can't... It, well, particularly this year. It, was. it makes it very hard to right. forecast, and you're uh, forcing... Well, last cows, year we had the four months. of ends, which got particularly hit, to have to figure out how to keep the lights on in their classrooms with, with less dollars Mm -hmm. and it's not their fault. It's because the municipal aid was cut uh, midstream. Paul,
1: just on the transportation, I just want to come back to this because I want to be sure that your listeners understand that what the transportation strategy board did, and this is how we look at it. It's creating a comprehensive integrated system. So that does, it takes, picks up certainly mass transit, uh, in terms of bus and rail, it picks up the, the, the uh, maintenance and expansion, appropriate expansion of br- roads and bridges. It picks up uh, the, the, the ports of New Haven, Bridgeport, and New London, where we need to, we did look at this in 2001. And I haven't gone back and looked at the economics of it recently, but how can we move trucks off the highway, which is a big chunk of this, by moving them from the Port Authority of New York by, by barge into one, of the, into one mm. of the three ports? Those are the kinds of things that we have to be looked at. And then the fourth element of transportation is air. And one of the, I'd say, the single most important economic asset we have in the state today is Bradley International. You couldn't create Bradley International today if we didn't already have it. And we all know how important air travel is to the private sector. Uh, The ability to, the creation of the the airport authority under Governor Malloy, I think, was a step in the right direction. but, But that only takes care of about a dozen positions. Getting more nonstop service. Uh, west of the Mississippi, out of Bradley, making sure that the Air Lingus and, and European service stays there has got to be a part of our economic strategy. What so about
0: Tweed is number two in New Haven now. Our uh, business community the, the, right. uh, has always said we need better service at Tweed, but every time an airline comes in, it can't make it commercially. There's Mayor a- Harp was at that hearing Correct. you were at. He uh, yep. said we have to improve links Correct. in the state transit system because you can't really get out the Tweed. Right.
1: There are two things I would say, and, and I've, I've heard this, uh, this, this issue going back 15 years ago about the importance of Tweed, and I don't in any way minimize it. But when you're looking at priorities, to me, Paul, Bradley has to be viewed as expanding it so that we can leverage it. We've got to find easier ways for people in New Haven to get to Bradley. Um, so that no matter what you do at Tweed, you're going to be limited in terms of the service. You'll go to Cincinnati, you'll go to Philadelphia, you'll go where. What we want to provide people... to go like, to Philadelphia, period. Then you know, that, you know. Well, that's the other thing. So we want to be able to say to people in New Haven that we, a more robust Bradley is going to be good for everybody in the state, not just people who happen to live within five minutes of Bradley, mm-hmm. but people who live 30 miles away. So providing that train service from New Haven up with a bus service from the Windsor Locks uh, stop into the airport. Those kinds of things have to be part of the discussion.
0: Lightning round, guys. Uh, Oz Bomani Frank, let's ask you quickly what you think on certain issues. Single-payer health insurance, Medicare for all, what do you think about that?
1: I'm not in favor of single. I think there needs to be a lot more discussion around the way we provide quality health care.
0: Okay, Sanctuary State, would you continue the secure communities approach of the Malloy administration and not cooperating with authorities about nonviolent people who have been in detention?
2: Yes, and I've spoken a lot about protecting refugees and dreamers and uh, uh, and sanctuary cities. And we Oz, you on that, that page too? Yes. Oh, we, we, believe me, we're on the same page here, Paul.
1: Okay. Opportunity for everybody.
0: Legalizing recreational use of
2: marijuana to be discussed. What does that mean? We're, we're, we're on, open to, to it. Uh, we're, well, we're open to it. Um, we wouldn't do it purely for the revenue source, but uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of a dichotomy right now because we have decriminalized. Um, small amounts of marijuana, um, which has helped us give people second chances and so forth. Uh, but at the same time, it's illegal to purchase. So there, there is a little bit of a uh, an issue there that needs to be reconciled. Um, we're, we're concerned about the public health issues. You know, A lot of the states that have uh, voted to legalize marijuana, particularly Massachusetts, have now slowed down the process so they can figure out how they're going to deal with the public health issues, and that's...
0: So you, you and see.
1: and Paul, what I, I just you made that comment about the special transportation fund, and you know why not have a you know the t- tobacco thing. One of the things I'd want to the revenue. What would trouble me is just okay. We can we can tax it. Therefore, let's do it. I'd want to understand what you do with the resource, with the revenues. I mean, should that be then used for more mental health services as opposed to simply let's funding the the general? I think there's a there are to Monty's point. There are some public health issues here that I'd want to understand better both in terms of how we use the revenue. And just two,
2: two, two last things on that. Um, what we've talked about is using the revenues to fight the opioid crisis, which is something I've worked hard on. Um, and then secondly, we absolutely are in favor of medical marijuana. That wouldn't change. Okay.
0: Minimum wage to $15 an hour.
2: I, I, I don't want to impose any, I'm
1: not somebody who believes in imposing things in the private sector, but if the laws are going to get passed, it's got to be in a predict, some kind of predictable of way.
0: So you like the idea or not?
1: I'm not a big fan. Of, I'm not a fan of minimum, of imposing on private sector those kinds of things.
0: So you wouldn't support a $15 minimum
1: wage hike? Uh, I would want to, j- j- the short end, your lightning round answer is no, but if it's going to be done, I'd want to be part of the discussion about how it was phased in.
2: Okay. We, we'd like to create an environment so that uh, wages would,
1: Go would way rise
2: up. in the market right. higher than that. Correct.
0: Um raising the income tax on marginal rates over a million dollars to 7.5%. No. No. Okay. And um and okay. And then so in closing guys, what if let's think about what are the things you're saying that oh, Seth Poole writes in the funding should close the deficit and serve the people most in. Thanks for the comment, Seth Poole. Um what are you saying that Labor and traditional Democrats don't want to hear? And what are you saying that the business community and traditional Republicans don't want to hear? What truth telling is independent. The
1: first part of it, I think, anybody who's suggesting that you've got to bring the Seaback Agreement back for discussion. That we've got to have serious discussions within the uh, within the uh, base comp and work rule issues. They've got to be changed to make this to give ourselves greater flexibility on privatization. I'm sure that's not something that's going to run up the democratic uh, or the liberal, minimum wage or the minimum wage or single sure. payer health care Pro- or not marginal yeah, rates. Those aren't going to be right.
0: What, what's something Republicans might not. Like say this isn't for our orthodoxy, would it be the gun? Well control? I'll just say
1: I'll just say for myself and let Monty respond to both of these, but um I yeah, certainly the things that I hear is that you you've you know you've you've sold out to the to the to the liberal agenda of which the gun issue is one. And I push back and say that's to be something we said way back at the beginning of this of this interview, Paul. That's not where people are. And we're providing a different view. But we recognize So
0: specifically, what are you saying that a, a business organization or the republican party establishment would say we don't agree with you about that
1: well you clearly know tolls i mean if you, yeah. if you say yes for tolls everybody says well that's the wrong thing and, and that's that's the heart of this issue paul here we are having a debate you have to if you're a democrat you have to be for tolls and if you're a republican you have to be against tolls and what we're saying is that's not the question the question is about a sustainable predictable fund that's secure that's what we're communicating
0: okay i want to Communicate my thanks that you guys came <laughs> to New Haven. And you, came, you did a double round on WNHH with the Laveau sector and our uh, English language station. So thanks very much to Monty Frank and Oz Griebel. Oz is running as the candidate for governor and uh, Monty for lieutenant governor as independents. Pleasure. Fellow candidates In this thanks, 2018 Paul. election. Thanks to Seattle New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to be Free. From the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.